Hi, I'm Ian DeLisi. And I'm Chef James Regalo. And in this episode of Essential Cooking, we talk with sommelier Chris Hunter about making the world of wine more approachable, the screw cap, and wines he would pair with musicians such as Miles Davis, Sade, and Tupac Shakur. All right, so we are here, and our guest is Chris Hunter, one of my favorite sommeliers, and uh, representing Vino Volo. It's been a weird year for wine, obviously, because a lot of our uh, retail and restaurant locations have shifted gears, but... Nonetheless, Chris is still uh, in the world of wine and representing wonderful opportunities for sommeliers that aren't necessarily what you'd expect to find. We have a young uh, black male running one of the coolest wine programs in uh, certainly at the airport, but definitely in southeastern Michigan. And, um, you know, yeah, after many visits and conversations with Chris, I just I find myself always walking away having learned something. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, welcome. And uh, thank yeah. you guys for having me on. And of course. How, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm surviving in style. <laughs> how uh, How is the world of wine right now from your perspective? I mean, obviously with COVID, it's a little strange, but um, it's, it's really neat to talk about it because I'm seeing more intelligence in wine than ever before, which is great. It's good for me. Why do you think that is? Um, it's just because more people are getting exposed to it and access is such a neat thing. And so because of that, I see more people um, requesting certain varietals that are that are more, you know unique and literally wanting to know more about what what it entails, what the wine business entails. Open to trying new wines. You know, one of my philosophies: if you don't get out of your shell, you're just a nut. You know, <laughs> so tr- it's okay. Like it's okay to try new wine. Commercial wines are great. The big big names are great. But for me, I want everybody to get outside of that box. Yeah. Try something new. People have like this limited experience and sometimes they'll be like, oh, I hate Chardonnay because they've had one limited experience with it. Right. So, it, you know, for example, it's like it's like meeting somebody on the street from a different culture and having a bad experience with them and be like, oh, everybody from that culture is ridiculous. They're 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 stupid. Right. And, it's, and we do that with wine. Yeah, we do. That's one, one thing that I've learned as I've gotten older, ironically, is like to, to ask more questions, expose right. your lack of knowledge. I, I love saying, wait a second, you know, even if you just need a refresher, so if you're like, it's okay to even ask like, you know, oh, what is, is Chablis always Chardonnay? It's okay to ask yeah. that. Yeah. Like, no, I don't know any sommelier that is like, you idiot. They're, Actually, they, I know a <laughs> few. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, I, I should say, I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't ask any of the sommeliers that I know <laughs> would, would be rude about that, you know? But like to the average yeah. consumer, <clears throat> ask those questions. Yeah. Like ask, like don't just go along with it. Because there's a lot of code. I mean, you know, you'll say some people will like even use abbreviations or like, oh, it's a GSM blend or whatever. You st- stop and say, what? What the hell is that? It's a, and it's on us too. That like that for, for me, like in that perspective, it's on a psalm as well. Right. Make it approachable. Right. I, I know so many psalms where it's like I've had experiences where I've done like private tastings. And people will come to me after like, Chris, thank you. When you're talking to somebody who's mm-hmm. looking to purchase or looking to understand, you know, it's I always say educate, don't intimidate. That's right. You're se- it's juice, man. Yeah. You're selling juice. For me, like, yeah. Calm down. Yeah, it's juice. And that's what I usually say. Like anytime, like, a, you know, if it's a big table that orders, you know, you know, a ground crew or something, I'm like, uh, this is some good juice you guys are drinking. <laughs> today. And, it's, oh, yeah. and it brings a lightness to the situation. Absolutely. Because that, that's... That's what it's supposed to be out. It's, about, it's, it's supposed to be about a connection and making it approachable. You're definitely a non-traditional sommelier, right. both in obviously background, but also in your approach. And right. that's why I love you so much in mm-hmm. this industry and why you're invaluable that. is because you hold 
you know, uh, you hold the key to some doors that like people don't know exist. Yeah. But then also people in the industry like me, like I, you're, you're invaluable because like, you know, I can send anybody to you. I, I can send, the, I can send any geek or I can send any like person who's never had wine before yeah. and they're comfortable, you know, drinking at your bar. That's what it's about. It's a, in the end of the day, it's about connection. If we're just gonna, if we're just gonna like, you know, being, being an image, like having the image of, of me as a black man with dreads, that's going to open so many more doors. Just when people see that. For example, you're like, my friend Chris, go to him and he's going to take care of you. I mean, that's such a neat feeling to have. It's a neat feeling for you to have to be like, yo, I have somebody that can take care of you. Absolutely. And it's a neat thing, you know, for everybody, essentially, you know. Wine is, is absolutely available for everyone. And it's also a gateway to so much more education. That's right. And it's on and it's on us as well. Like I always take full responsibility for that because it is you're you're exactly right. It's always been a club of certain kind of people and that's and that's okay. But let's break these barriers down. Yeah. Because there's there's so much more. Wine to me like it's almost like it's a it's a Trojan horse because you're like, "Oh, I'm going to drink some wine and learn about wine." Not really. You're going to learn about history yeah, and geography so and culture. Like, you know, when you drink an Italian wine and you learn about what, where Umbria and obviously yeah. the different regions and the, you know, the, the, the topography and everything yeah. else. Okay. Well then you go drink a Georgian wine and then go drink a Burgundy. And then you learn about, okay, well then the, it's, you know, Piedmont influenced by the Berg, you know, and then champagne influenced by the English cider making. It just never <laughs> ends. It represents that history. Once you're tasting it. Exactly. It represents the philosophy of the people. And for you to, for somebody to experience that, it, like I always said, it's like it's art. It's a beautiful. It's beautiful art. It brings people together. Wine is one of the things that you know. One of the only beverages that I've seen nobody. You can actually have a political conversation yeah, or peace, religious peace, conversation peacefully, without, <laughs> peacefully, <laughs> without any fistfights. You know. Yeah. You, you know, you came up. Your father was in the wine business, correct. correct? Yeah. So my my dad got me into the business. It was I was going to school for business at the time. And, you know, it was like 20, 21, and, and he, he's been in wine for a long time. And, you know, I was always, I mean, he would let me try things, but I wasn't into it. And he was like, son, you want me to, you want to come, you know, come help me run this, this wine bar? It was, it was called a Positive Vibration Wine Bar at the time. I was like, sure, maybe I should learn something about wine. At the time, I was a huge reader, um, so I just picked up a bunch of books. It was great. I had this knowledge, but it didn't really mean anything to me. Until I started experiencing, until I started going to wine tastings and, and being like, oh, this makes sense. I was reading about, you know, Burgundy from, you know, Pinot Noir from Burgundy and now Pinot Noir from Oregon. And stylistically, wow, this is night and day. It's yeah. almost like a different style of grape. And, and so that experience was, was a beautiful thing. And then also more so just, just experiencing people in terms of where they're at in wine um, and then, and then the, the dialogue, having the open dialogue in terms of conversation, and so that kind of brought me in. And then, and then in terms of my philosophy, in terms of wow, something really special about this force. I mean, of wine. I mean, it's art, and this is how I can connect with people. And this is, and this is, this is my gift in a sense. And that was given to me, and I'm like, this is this is such a beautiful thing. When that started, I was helping them do all elements of the business. Yeah, you know, I got into sales. So I, you know. That that was really cool too, and then I transitioned to I was a bartender for a while um, at at Venology, so I, I ran that bar for so a little spirits, bit. Mm -hmm. beer, so yeah, okay, yep, and then and then uh, yeah, and then now I'm at and then I and then I also on the side started doing a lot of private tastings as well. I uh, got my court of uh, uh, Psalm certification, 
And then I went to then Vino Volo, and Vino okay. Volo is uh, where I'm at right now. Chris, what was the process like about getting certified? I mean, I think it's very mysterious for people that it don't, is very mysterious. No, they're like, oh well, I don't know. What do you what do you go through, and what what is that process like? I always think that when you have to get something like that, it's harder than people think, but they don't know exactly what it is. For sure, it is interesting because the best thing to do is to get into like groups and stuff to study, but you kind of have to do a lot of things on your own in terms of studying, you know, which, which, is, which can be intimidating, but I think it's really special as well. You know, you want to know all the uh, regions, essentially. There's different forms or different certifications. There's different ways people can get into the business. Um, so I don't want to, like, limit right. the, in terms of the conversation. But, yeah, there's, uh, let's just say there's a lot of drinking wine. It is very intense. I mean, there's a theory, and then there's the actual, you know, actually tasting, especially the blind tasting is is crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's some days where I wake up where I'm like, I can literally blind taste anything, and and and, and my palate's probably the the most open in the morning. But then there's some days where I'm like, I, I there's no way I can't yeah. blind taste anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. So it, it really it really um, depends, and it and, and it can be really tough. They also go in into the element if if you're if you worked at a restaurant too yeah i believe in all the things like you know proper like obviously proper temperature proper decanting proper glassware it's almost like a microcosm of some of the formalities that exist in the wine community is it's best exampled on the table you can see by how you open a champagne how you pour a taste you know the different glasswares the, the different the, the you know how thin is the rim of the you know like there's so many little tiny details just to physically getting glass, a glass full of wine right. that it's almost like a precursor of what you're going to deal with, you know, talking about different wine regions, meeting new sommeliers. Like there's, there's a lot of fuss you know, on the surface level with wine. And then there's some of it's very intentional, very purposeful, and then some of it's also kind of crap. You know, there's kind of, it's kind of silly. And it comes, I mean, it comes from, sometimes it comes from tradition, and it comes from like, for example, so I was uh, talking, I was having dinner with this um, winemaker from France and he was actually one of the first winemakers to put screw caps on his wine and they, everybody there hated it. Yeah. It was like, and, and, and I, I'm a sucker for old world wine. So I always talk old world wine up in a lot of ways, but in the sense of like innovation, it's not always that. You know, and so they were just like, oh, my God, how could you do screw cap? Yeah. And he was telling me, like, you got all these letters because he used screw cap. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have wines that, you know, are like $250, $300 screw cap. It doesn't change and it, and it essentially helps yeah, a well, lot of vineyards. Because corks, right? you know, cork mm. is notorious for, you know, spoiling or basically introducing some kind of like, you know, flaw into the wine. Like, you know, cork, <laughs> cork, cork is not, all, you know. It's not always. Um, it's cute. it's cute for the tradition, and I get that like people like to take it out. I mean, like heaven forbid, you know. I was I was I would always joke with my customers when I had screw caps and, and high end wine. I would be like, "Well, I'm working on like a little dance or something I can do for you." <laughs> <laughs> screw cap dance. <laughs> the screw cap dance because you know heaven forbid it takes this tradition away yeah. and we can't have corks anymore. What are we going to do? How is the president? And so I think, and one of those things is I think we have to have fun with it because, because of that mentality, people feel like they have to have a certain, they have to have certain kind of knowledge. Yeah. And because of that has built a lot of strange, weird misconceptions yeah. about wine. It's like, let's, let's get into more of the texture and how, what is it doing? 
What, like, what, where, where is it taking you mentally? Um, also, what you know, we're big music fans. What music is in the background? Right Absolutely, now? music is such a huge <clears throat> part of it. I feel like you could pair music to wine as much as you could pair food to it. I honestly kind of want to do um, a wine tasting, like music, music pairing. pairing. If you, we can set it up right now. I, 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 I was <laughs> say, I honestly feel like you, you, like that's something that you would be so good at. I really feel like you should do. Like you should even like even on your menu, just put. What song? I've been thinking about it. Because, like, to me, like, if I saw, <laughs> totally if, I, if I saw a wine I didn't know, but I knew the song, I'd be like, oh, ooh, oh I okay. gotta try yeah, that. Yeah, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. You know, it, and it could go both ways. I'm like, ah, I might like that wine. And it would say, like, you too next to it. I'd be like, nope, I hate it. It's, it's <laughs> no, true. It's <laughs> I think it would give people, like, a different way to process Absolutely. what they're about to drink. Cause they're, it, in a yeah, way that they and, and never would have. It, it does. It's so much because a lot of times I use, like music analogies to get people, you know, like yeah. I'm like, well, you know, Grigio is Justin Bieber and <laughs> Brunello de Montalcino is Bach. <laughs> like this is, you know, so yeah. I don't want to necessarily say because Pinot Grigio is not bad. Not at all. But it's just simple. It's, it's, a, it's a simple wine. It's and, a grand wine. It's and, crusher. And some, sometimes I don't want to always be like, you know, trying this wine and, and I'm going to sit here and stand here and and tell you all these qualities of about the wine for ten minutes. I don't care about that. I just yeah. want to. I just want to. You know, enjoy it for the feeling of the. Well, wine. hey, honestly, there's to me Pinot Grigio much, to me is the Coors so. Light of wine. There's nothing wrong with it, and yeah. don't don't like demonize it. But I actually have a hard time drinking red wine without food, and I just feel like my body doesn't like it. And the next day, I feel like I'm a little more hungover. Yeah. Talk about texture. And obviously not all red wines, but like a lot of the red wines that are popular in restaurants and bars around Michigan, it's a sauce. It's literally like a sauce for your steak. Like that's a, I mean, that's the easiest thing that wine is, is sauce, right? It's like a, it's like a, it's a pairing for your food. Yeah. But if you get, like, if you give me a plain piece of baked Bronzino, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could eat it. It'd be like, it'd just be like this too. There's not, there's nothing there. But if you gave me like an Albarino with it. Yeah. Okay, now we're talking. I yeah. can I can eat this whole piece of fish, go back and forth to the wine, and it'd be a study in the in the you know the minerals in the fish and the minerals yeah. in the wine. It'd be it'd be it'd be exciting. So one yeah. glass of wine changes a boring meal. So, like, so true. I think that I always look at wine as seasoning or as sauce or as a vinaigrette. It's like a component exactly, of the meal. Exactly how I perceive it as well. But like the white and the sparklings of the world are the where I find the most like I think thrill. Those are almost like the like the symbols of the high notes of the music, you know, it's where you hear the most like it's the most intense. And then I feel like red wines and like, you know, the different kind of like orange wines were like that's where more of like your your bass or your more your minor chords. Like they're important. And then obviously a full pairing would be the whole the whole band together. But I don't want to sit down and just drink a big red wine. Ever, let alone start my dinner or my meal with it. Yeah. That to me is the biggest crime I see in Michigan restaurants and catering. And oh. I go in beautiful homes all over Michigan. I cook elaborate meals yeah. and I'm like shucking oysters as people are pouring red wine. I'm oh. like, I'm like, listen, I don't know <laughs> how to tell you guys this, but like, I need you to stop doing that. I, I, th- I think it's, you raise a really um, interesting point. And I, and I think about this a lot and, and, terms of the best approach for that but it it is again it's experience right so one of the things i do with a lot of my private tastings is that i i'll do pairings because and 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 it goes back to perception as well like so a lot of people perceive especially in in around here you know perceive riesling is automatically sweet 
Yeah. You know, because they've had they've had a bad experience with it, and they've had and and Riesling is one of the most versatile varietals in the world. And it's also one right? of the best varietals and, and in one our of state. The, one of the best food pairing wines in the world, yeah, like hands absolutely. down. And and it's and so people, it, it's like they they have a you know just because it's it wasn't your sweetness wasn't balanced, right? You have a little bit of RS on there. If you if you ha- like, all right, try try this Riesling with this salty. You know, cheese or try try this reason with a spicy dish. Yeah. Now talk to me. Absolutely. As newsrooms across the country close their doors, independent and unbiased journalism is more crucial than ever. We rely on you just like you rely on us. This spring fundraiser, join us in protecting public media. Your support keeps us thriving. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap donate in our mobile app. In order to give people context as to what Riesling's to drink, I'm going to ask James to come up with a couple dishes, like you're going to make this and that, and you can tell us what Riesling would go with that well. So it gives people some perspective as to what would work and what wouldn't work, and maybe they'll try something new. Right. Perfect. So you want to do just raisings in this brand? I might, just, I, I might actually uh, open it up other than raisings, but I will keep it in that. I same. think because we were talking about that wine. Yeah, being, no, I def- sort of yeah. definitely the first sort one. Sort of being vind- so we want to try to vindicate this wine just a little bit. That's, I don't no, know it's why, good. No, it's good. Know, I don't know why I care about the raisings. I know. So much no, it's good. Sudden, this but, is good. <laughs> so, all right. So, first pairing is nothing. What's the best reason to drink straight up? Like you're, it's like you and Riesling. I'm actually going to give a shout out to uh, Michigan right now. All right, and let's do um, let's do. Bell Lago Riesling. They're nice. uh they're off dry Riesling. Nice. Trumbach would be my next one, Alsatian. And they're fun I mean, it's Grand Cru, but it's absolutely phenomenal. I would definitely in terms of balance, oh man. I mean they, they will they will balance out any any dish. But what dish did you have? Uh, yeah, so let's say and I'll I'll I'll, mm. I'll I'll let's do let's do we'll do at least three with Riesling. So and I'll give you things that I know would pair well with Riesling. So let's say I'm going to do a coconut milk green curry with grilled shrimp over some jasmine rice. What Riesling? The, you have me thinking of ferment just because it's a very similar varietal to Riesling, but I think it would, because it has um, this kind of creamy nature to it as well, it would balance out with that What's coconut. It's, uh, it's ferment from, from Hungary. Ferment. Uh, ferment. Ferment. Ferment is a great. Spell that. F-U-R-M-I-N. Tea. Ferment. Ferment is actually very similar to Riesling. And um, so it can be like bone dry. They actually use it in a lot of their um, their dessert wines as well. Interesting. And so just because of what you described, yeah. that was what came to all mind. Right, right. But it's a very similar to varietal to Riesling. Seared foie gras, toasted brioche, and a little bit of a Concord preserves. That sounds delicious. Now you have me. Um, I, ha- I hate to be boxing with Riesling. We have to do Moutard, and they have a six sapage <laughs> champagne. Have you ever heard of six sapage champagne? No. You know, there's you know there's seven varietals that can actually go into this champagne. So this has Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, uh, Messler, and then uh, Pinot Menard. Hmm. And that is in from what you just said, that would be the, the most See, amazing. I, I feel like there's definitely some ice wine or like late harvest kind of Riesling 
categories that I like to use in place of sauternes for the foie. Because obviously yeah, when you do a foie on the menu, everyone kind of expects right. the fortified wine or the right. sauternes to come out. And I feel like some of those Sauternes is an easy... Of course, and it's classic. But I feel like the late harvest Rieslings, there's some that definitely hold up to the foie gras preparations. So I feel like in the world of Rieslings where you're talking about there's some of their frowned upon for the sugar, on the other end of the spectrum is some of those late harvest as a dessert wine or as a, you know foie gras pairing are pretty killer too. It's an interesting conversation because one of the things with even automatically and when it comes to pairings, when you're pairing, especially like, you know, sweet, for example, the dessert, you know, the wine is actually supposed to be technically sweeter than the dish. Yeah. Than the dish. And, and I, you know, but you know, there are some people that will swear by like jammy reds with chocolate. Of course. And, and, I, think and, ben, I, don't you know, have a, and I don't have a problem with that. But no, I don't disagree, though. Honestly, like, Camus and chocolate is a probably a great pairing. I think yeah. ba- I think Banyols and chocolate is a great pairing. Right. But I'm going to go with another one. Let's do a potato-crusted white fish with Ooh. a little touch of Dijon in the Berblanc. Like a little mustard Berblanc. What Riesling? Why do you have... Uh, yeah. Come on, because Ann Riesling, says Riesling. Riesling. You got to stick with them. <laughs> Only because you started this, by the way. It was my it, fault. It was your, it's totally your fault, because you said... People have written this off for forever, and I'm trying yeah, to get. Yeah, I was just saying, man, you're kind of, you're kind of trying to get you to vindicate s- the Riesling because you were saying that people <laughs> should, people should not write it off. And yeah. This is why. Not, what but, Riesling would you pair with? Potato crusted. I'm gonna have fish. to. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Moselle. There's one that's right on the top of my head, and I can't. I'm gonna have, almost look it up because it's 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 amazing. It's from uh, Germany. From Moselle, and and it's it would go amazing with that dish. All right, so I want to do a couple of things. I want Anne. I want you to. This is rapid fire, Chris. You get four back seconds. The, back in the rapid fire. Yeah. So Anne, I want you to name three musicians, and I want Chris to name the wine <laughs> that they are existentially. Okay, this is an easy one. Miles Davis, Brunello de Montalcino, Diana Ross. That's Whoa. Yeah, um, I, I want to go. Diana Ross is like she, I, I'm just going to, Vodka Ross, Vodka Ross, Diana Ross, Vodka Ross. I'm just going to go with it. I'm not going to, I mean, it, it, that, she's so dynamic. And that's why I think Vodka Ross is such a dynamic uh, region. And, you know, just the way it balances out with the Grenache and Syrah. Moved, I mean, yeah. All right, take it. Vodka Ross. Right, what else? ACDC. Oof. ACDC. I like it. I like where you're going. She's getting wild over let's, here. Let's go with, um. Stoltman uh, Syrah from um, from Santa Barbara because I've been in that vineyard and a really cool vineyard, really cool people and ACDC. It's like the first taste when I think of it, I think ACDC. Put it on. All right, I got three. So let's do. Oh, we're gonna do a Prince. Yeah, <laughs> nobody said Prince. No, um, <laughs> Tupac. Tupac. Now yeah. we're talking, man. Now we let's go. We got to go, Cali. Man, I have one right. Nickel and nickel. Tupac. Boom. Tupac, nickel and nickel. All right, I'm can gonna, we can we get down with yeah, that? I, I, nickel I, I, and nickel. I, I, I mean, just because I love Pac and like what he was in nickel and nickel is one of my favorite Cabernets. Yeah, to be honest, from you, and it's kind of like they're kind of they're kind of classic. Like some people would argue overrated, but like those that know would say absolutely not. Like exposure is not overrated. You that's know, like, right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. A good, that's a good one. That's, that's a, right. That's a, that's, a, that's a deep cut. Erica Badu. You guys have me really thinking. He's so soulful. I know. You know, and and she and she's big into like ancient comedics too. I've been I've been looking into that. There's this Moroccan Syrah. Siraco? Uh yes. Is it, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna go with that for her. All right. That's actually you're not gonna say Chardonnay next, are you? Uh, 
I, I, mean, I would say I would say I'm gonna say, Sade, I'm gonna say Sade. I'm gonna say Sade. You got you read my mind. I'm, I'm incredibly incredi- right? predictable, but <laughs> well, it, I think of Sade on Sundays, right? Like, but Sade is one of the most elegant, refined um, women. I I have to go. Man, I'm thinking now. I'm thinking Burgundy. Yeah, I was gonna say um, Burgundy is classic, but it's also like to me. It has to be, I was just say it's Burgundy because I just consider Sade perfect, and I think like and Burgundy and Burgundy. Like, if my complaint of Burgundy is always like price. Because like there's great wines around the world. My for complaint way about less. Burgundy is innovations. That's probably people's complaint about Chardé. You don't always have to innovate. Feminine divinity right there, Chardé. <laughs> I'm gonna put some Chardé on after <laughs> after this interview. What's your death row glass of wine? Your last glass of wine on earth. What is it? Wow. I can tell you. I asked Madeline Trafalgar. That's this a once. hard. Really? I asked. What did Ma- she say? She said it would be a Northern Rhone Syrah, and she would only smell it. You know, all we have is our moments here today, yeah. gone tomorrow. Yeah. It must so, be, this must be what's the moment. Your, what's your last <laughs> glass of wine? Like, like on earth, last glass of wine. Like, what is it? Brunello. I have to pick Brunello. I'm Poggio Castellar, uh, 2010. Chateau Margot, I, I love too. That that was kind of the cliche. Yeah. The thing that came to my head, but I have to put it out there because I love it. So. I'm going to go out with a glass of Ruinart, Blanc de Blanc. I love that. Just like, <sighs> that's the, I mean, I could drink. It's the only thing I could drink every single day. I could be, I could be, wildly hungover and I'll drink a glass of champagne. It's, it's my <laughs> cheating It's my cheating way in terms of pairing. Yeah. Yeah, can, of course. It when literally can go with anything. anything. Especially Ruinart. I mean, Ruinart to me is like, that's my, I, I, like, that's I'll, I'll get a Ruinart tattoo for sure. I want to touch on real quick. Yeah. Um, how do you recommend somebody that has no idea what they're doing with wine? How do they get into it? How does somebody learn more about wine? The most basic level. Obviously buy books, go online, Google that. We, all, we already know that. But what's a, in this, you know, in this day and age, what's the best way to just start learning about wine? Well, when I, what I tell a lot of my uh, customers or clientele, I, um, I always tell them to start with a region. So pick a region, you know, let's do, I don't know, Cote d'Iron, for example, and just experience that. And, and experience if you have a partner, say, you know, honey, what are you making tonight? Or, you know, vice versa. And then, and then go, you know, I want to pick this wine. Yeah, research a little bit. For, yeah, yeah. Because, because if you... Once you spend time in a region, it's going to make you knowledgeable and want want you know it's going to make you want to go learn other regions. Yeah, what influenced this region? Who did they? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I say because because wine could be so, I mean, it can be so vast. There's so much to it's like it. it's overwhelming. Yeah, it can be sure. very overwhelming. Yeah. And so and so that's what I usually tell people. I say, you know, start simple. Um, depending on where their palate is as well, right? So if they're if they're like, oh, I can only drink this or only drink that, then I say, okay, start with varietals from those particular regions yeah. and then focus on that. And then once you um, have expanded, once you understand that, then you're naturally going to grow out of that. Your palate, by default, will naturally evolve. You started tasting wine when you were old. I mean, I was like, you know, and in, 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 in Italy, it's amazing. So they start their kids usually around like six or seven. And in what it does, I mean, it's, you know, it's nothing, it's not, a, it's not a lot, but it's a little bit, but that naturally opens palates up. So because of that, they have exposure a lot earlier than, than we do. I mean, I started young too, you know, probably around 12, 14, having a little bit of my dad's wine. And then, and then, you know, that's, that's kind of uh, opened me up, you know, everything in terms of our senses, we learn all of that you know, through like pretty much one through 12. And so a lot of these, these things in your palate come up from subconscious memories because essentially it's all about enhancing your perception. 
You know, it's enhancing your perception. It's enhancing your senses. And so once you can, once you can do that, it's like, you know, one of the things I tell people, it's like also, you know, once you get into this world of wine, it's going to open everything else up for you. You're going to go to a market and you're going to think differently. You're going to start picking things up. You're going to start picking smells up right when you get into the market. Absolutely. Or you're you're going to change the way you cook. It's going to change the way you, you know, view the world where you want to travel. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, wine is such a gateway drug for, for culture and for life and for exposure. Yeah, it's it has completely enriched my life as a chef. The more, every, every ounce of energy I put into learning about wine has completely returned tenfold in my career. Our thanks to sommelier Chris Hunter for talking with us, to you for listening, and... We would like to thank LaMarca Prosecco for their support. From the hills of Veneto, Italy, you can never go wrong with Prosecco, whether it's in a spritz or drinking straight. Joan Isabella is our executive producer. Associate producers are Lisa Brancato and David Lyons. Production provided by Studios on the Pond and Rowan Nemisto. Original music by the Mallet Brothers. This is a production of Detroit Public Radio Station, WDET. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and join us as we explore the world of food and how to cook it right here on Essential Cooking.